NATO just finished a two-day summit in London, giving Western leaders a chance to escape their dying societies and spend time insulting the president of the United States, which defends and supports what's left of them. Emmanuel Macron, the president of the nation formerly known as France, went toe-to-toe with President Trump, saying his former country wouldn't pay more for defense because they'd already sent so many fighters to the Middle East. When it was pointed out that the French fighters had actually been Muslim immigrants fighting for ISIS, Macron responded by saying, true, but look how well I dress and what a charming accent I have. Macron then returned to Paris, where everyone is having a general strike to protest the fact they live in France. Justin Bieber, or Trudeau, or whatever his name is, the prime minister of Metrosexualia, or Canada, or some damn place no one's heard of, was caught on a hot mic complaining about Trump during a cocktail party. The Beeb, or the Trude, or whatever, said he had been late for the party because Trump had held a 40-minute press conference. Apparently, Trudeau had never heard of this quaint American custom where leaders speak to the press as a way of informing the public about their actions. Because, of course, in Canada, the public doesn't care about the leader's actions because he's the leader of Canada. Anyway, Bieber said he was angry. He had to just stand there during the long press conference without saying anything because no one asked him any questions. Because he's the leader of Canada. Trudeau said he was so annoyed by the experience, he was going to head back to his country as soon as he could locate an airline that flies there and a pilot who knows where it is. Trump said after being disrespected by the world leaders, he was happy to return to the U.S. where everyone's always so nice to him. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. Hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. Oh, hooray, hurrah. Well, I'm sure you all watched the goat rodeo that was the House Judiciary impeachment hearing yesterday, and neither did I. But I did catch enough of it to get the point. Three law professors called by Democrats declared Trump should be impeached. But it turned out all three of them were Democrat operatives and Trump haters. One of them hated Trump so much she once said she had to cross the street to avoid walking by the Trump Hotel in D.C., And another one, well, I'll tell you about him later. You will not believe what he thinks. But the three of them provided no facts, no new information, nothing we couldn't have heard on the usual biased news reports on MSNBC or CNN or NBC or ABC or CBS or The New York Times or The Washington Post. In fact, I'm sure we'll hear it from all of those places soon enough. So what did these lawyers have that made the Democrats think they would make good witnesses? Simple. They had credentials. Lots and lots of credentials. One was from Yale, one was from Stanford. All had held prestigious prestigious posts and could list impressive accomplishments. All they lacked were facts and integrity. In fact, everything about this impeachment nonsense has stunk of credentialism once you come to think of it. That guy, Alex Vindman, he testified to absolutely nothing, but he wore his medals in his uniform while he did it, and he insisted on being called by his full military rank. The New York Times, a former newspaper, practically wrote a love song to the elitism of acting Ukrainian ambassador William Taylor, calling him, quote, a wise, fatherly figure with Kevlar credibility and talking about his, quote, chiseled face and reassuring reassuring gray hair after a lifetime of service to his country. Man, if if Taylor ever has a date with the New York Times, he is so going to get laid. Added to this were all the articles and interviews telling us how grateful we should be for a deep state of seasoned bureaucrats who are protecting us from the evil of our duly elected president. The Democrats keep saying that these hearings 
are about telling a story that's simple enough for us rubes to understand. And they certainly have told that story. They've told us a story of credentialed elites who think they're entitled to run the country and don't like upstarts like Trump or the voters telling them differently. But these same elites, Republicans and Democrats both, have gutted our freedoms, undermined our traditions, entangled us in unwinnable wars, and destroyed our economy. And they did it all while raping little girls and trading government favors for cash. Our people have been killing themselves at record levels in the America these elites created. Donald Trump was our answer to them, a message, a great, big, unmistakable, screw you people. They could have listened to us. They could have changed. They could have compromised and learned. They didn't. They did this instead. They didn't get the message we sent, but they better believe we got the message they're sending to us. We hear what they're telling us loud and clear, and we'll be sure to get back to them. So let us talk. We're going to talk more about this in just a second, because I'm, I'm telling you, you won't believe who some of these people were that they put in front of us as uh, as expert witnesses. But first, let us talk about root insurance. Root insurance has a great idea. Everybody has to have car insurance, especially here in California. We all have to get car insurance. But because it's all in one big pool, if you're a good driver, you're essentially paying the rates for the bad drivers, right? Because they've got to take the money out of that pool to pay everybody. So if there are bad drivers, you're getting paid for more. So what Root Insurance did is they removed the bad drivers from the equation and they saved good drivers up to 52%. This is this year, they saved good drivers up to 52%. In 2019, Root saved good drivers by be- and became the fastest growing direct insurance company in the U.S. It's the world's first mobile, first car insurance company. They base their rates primarily on how you drive, not who you are, and not on how other people drive. All you have to do is download the Root Insurance app, drive normally for a few weeks during the Root test drive, and see how much you can save. Give Root a try. Go to the App Store, download the Root Insurance app, sign up in less than a minute to start your test drive today. That's R-O-O-T. Again, download the Root app today or visit joinroot.com to learn more and see how much you could save. Root reserves the right to refuse to quote any individual a premium rate for the insurance advertised. Savings based on national reviews reported by actual customers. Form 1 not available in all states. This product is not available in California. Of course not. Who would insure people in California? All right. Um, What else is happening? Tomorrow, the new episode of Another Kingdom is coming out. Do not miss it. It'll stave off the Clavenless weekend uh, and may help you get through it. You probably won't survive, but at least you'll have this to listen to before it begins. So Nancy Pelosi this morning came out and said that the House of Representatives is going to begin drafting impeachment articles against the president of the United States. So let's play that clip so you just get to hear uh, her saying that she is now going to, uh, this is cut 13. The president has engaged in abuse of power, undermining our national security and jeopardizing the integrity of our elections. His actions are in defiance of the vision of our founders and the oath of office that he takes to preserve, protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. Sadly, but with confidence and humility, with allegiance to our founders and a heart full of love for America, Today, I am asking our chairman to proceed with articles of impeachment. I commend our committee chairs and our members for their somber approach to actions which I wish the president had not made necessary. 
unbelievable, unbelievable. She's sad. She loves America. She wants the founders. I mean, what, what is this about? Does it, can raise your hand if you know what this is about. Nobody does. So what changed between today and yesterday? Well, yesterday on the, in the House Judiciary Committee, they had these three law professors come forward and say that Trump should be impeached. And then they had one law professor brought in by the Republicans who was Jonathan Turley, who is a, uh, he's also a Democrat, he's also a liberal, uh, but he basically said you should not impeach. But I want to look at who these people are, because this is what I mean by credentialism. I don't want to, I don't want to put you through the whole, like, this is what they said. We all know what they said. I'll give you just a taste. Uh, Here's Noah Feldman. Take a look at him. On the basis of the testimony and the evidence before the House, President Trump has committed impeachable high crimes and misdemeanors by corruptly abusing the office of the presidency. Specifically, President Trump has abused his office by corruptly soliciting President Volodymyr Zelensky of Ukraine to announce investigations of his political rivals in order to gain personal advantage, including in the 2020 presidential election. So who is this guy, right? This is a guy who, seriously, I think it was about 48 days after Trump was elected, wrote an op-ed for Bloomberg saying that Trump should be impeached because he sent a tweet. The president sent a tweet saying that Obama had wiretapped his hotel, which he had. Obama had wiretapped uh, some of Trump's conversations. And Feldman wrote that that was uh, an impeachable, the tweet, not wiretapping, the tweet was an impeachable offense. But this is the part you will not believe. This guy in 2008 wrote a a, a huge article. It was actually an excerpt from a book he wrote about ISIS called The Fall and Rise of the Islamic State. He wrote a huge article for the New York Times magazine in praise of Sharia law. Now, Sharia law is an atrocity. And Andy McCarthy, who is a very level-headed guy, you know, he's a great commentator, but he was the the federal prosecutor who put away the blind sheik for the first World Trade Center bombing. And he said he makes a distinction between Muslims who want to come and live in our country and be Americans and what he calls Sharia law Muslims. Why? Because Sharia law attaches the state to the Quran. It's a theocracy. It basically has a theocracy. It, It is a brutal old-fashioned form of law. So this guy writes, he says, no legal system, this is this guy you just heard saying our president should be impeached. No legal system has ever had worse press than Sharia. To many, the word Sharia conjures horrors of hands cut off. That's because they want hands to be cut off. for Adulterers stoned, which they also do, and women oppressed. By contrast, who today remembers that the much-loved English common law called for execution as punishment for hundreds of crimes, including theft of any object worth five shillings or more? He's talking about the 18th century. He's talking about 17, the 1700s. Now, just remember, just remember for a second here, right? Liberals tell us in America that we were awful for things that we did in the 1700s, and we, we were evil for what we did in the 1700s. But he's saying the Sharia law is great because it's almost as good as the law that we had in the 1700s. By that logic, Sharia is evil by his own logic. In fact, he says, for most of its history, Islamic law offered the most liberal and humane legal principles available anywhere in the world. Today, when we invoke the harsh punishments prescribed by Sharia for a handful of offenses, it's a handful, but the hand isn't attached to your arm anymore because they cut it the hell off. You know, it's a handful of We rarely acknowledge the high standards of proof necessary for their implementation. Listen to this. I mean, this is, this is sophistry of the highest order. Listen to this. Before... 
before, and I can't believe I'm reading this. I keep thinking this is one of those deep fakes and I'm going to have to apologize for it tomorrow. Before an adultery conviction, he's praising this about Sharia law. Before an adultery conviction can typically be obtained, for example, the accused must confess four times or four adult male witnesses of good character must testify that they directly observed the sex act. So before they can stone you to death for adultery, four males have to testify to what went on, right? No women, no women just, and this is, he's praising this, right? He's how telling- How dare you? How dare you is right. This is, this is. I mean, if you go watch The Stoning of Shariah M by my pal Cyrus Nawasta, go watch that movie and watch how a woman is literally stoned to death fraudulently on fraudulent charges under Sharia law. You know, what the hell is this guy talking about? And they bring, it's an, it's unbelievable. The piece, I read through the whole piece. The sophistry is unbelievable. He's saying it really is a good thing. And what he praises about it, here's what is the center of his praise. The center of his praise is that it holds the state accountable under the law because the law is from God. So in other words, he's saying it establishes a theocracy. This is the problem with Sharia. It establishes a Sharia. Uh, a theocracy, this is what he's praising about it. And this is the guy they bring in to tell us our president is violating the law. And now Nancy Pelosi, with sadness and love for her country, is going to proceed now that she's heard Mr. Sharia, Noah Sharia. It's like you should write a love song, you know, like what, what, Sharia, I just met a law named Sharia. It's un, This is unbelievable stuff. Then they had this lady, uh, Car, what's her name? Carlin, right? Was her Pam, Pam Carlin. Uh, she's from Stanford. And she made this joke about, uh, let, let's play the, the dumb joke. It's uh, cut five. Article two does not have, give him the power to do anything he wants. And I'll just give you one example that shows you the difference between him and a king, which is the Constitution says there can be no titles of nobility. So while the president can name his son baron, he can't make him a baron. So, all right, so then we did the whole outrage thing. I don't like these outrage things. It, it, it was a rude joke. She gave a kind of grudging apology for it later on. It was a rude, you know, you know it's not, this guy is not like, uh, what's, what's her name, Greta, uh, or any of these you know, kids that the left throws out in front of the cameras to uh, tout their stupid politics. You know, Barron keeps to himself. Barron Trump, he, he ain't hurting anybody. He's just doing his thing. Uh, it's not his fault. His father is president. I, she shouldn't have picked on him. But let's move on. That's not the, that's not the worst thing about it. Let's just take a look at some of the old tapes that were unearthed of, her, of this woman talking. Let's first uh, look at uh, cut four. Yeah, so I, I, I was struck, I, you know, I came in from the airport yesterday and I got off the bus from Dulles down at L'Enfant Plaza and I walked up to the hotel and as I was walking past what used to be the old post office building and is now the Trump Hotel, this, which... <laughs> I had to cross the street, of course. Um, but um, Are you staying there? God, no. <laughs> Never. So she had to cross the street because she couldn't stand to even be, her, her, her beautiful, uh, noble, and virtuous feet couldn't even stand to be on the same sidewalk as the Trump Hotel. And what's interesting about the Trump Hotel is another one of these buildings, that old uh, uh, train station that, it was, uh, that he transformed, was another one of these buildings that sat there while government regulations and red tape tied it up and tied it up. And finally, Trump came in and said, all right, I'll build a hotel. It's a it is a beautiful hotel. I've been there. It's a knockout hotel. But she's too good for that because it's Trump, it's business, ooh, it's business. Here's a speech she gave in 2006 to the American Constitution Society saying that the left has to reclaim patriotism. At least she knows that they don't have any, but she has to reclaim patriotism because they have more, well, listen to what she says. 
because we have more reason than they do to love America. The rich, pampered, prodigal, sanctimonious, incurious, white, straight sons of the powerful do pretty well everywhere in the world, and they always have. But what about us? Snarky, bisexual Jewish women who want the freedom to say what we think, read what we want, and love whom we do. Stop yelling at me! <laughs> so snarky, bisexual Jewish women are better off in America. She's right. They're better off in America. So what is she complaining about? What is she complaining? We have the, the, the most pro-gay president in the history of the country uh, has been elected to, to uh, be the president. What is she complaining about? These people are so unbelievable. Anyway, I, you know, I'll, I'll play this in a minute. Matt, Matt Gates just had a great day yesterday and just blasted her. And I'll play that in just a second. First, let's talk about net Sweet. I am, as I continually remind you, because I want you, please, to respect me. Uh, I, <laughs> I am a business. I sell my wares to places like the Daily Wire, to publishers, anywhere I can. Uh, guys on the street, I pull them aside. But you have to know the numbers if you want to run your business, and that's why you have NetSuite. What keeps growing businesses from knowing their numbers is that there's a hodgepodge of business systems, and you have to look at all these different places to find what you need. NetSuite by Oracle is a business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform, giving you the visibility and control you need to grow. With NetSuite, you save time, money, and unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance, accounting, orders, and HR instantly right from your desktop or phone. That's why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. Right now, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with a free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits at netsuite.com slash Clavin. That's netsuite.com slash Clavin to download your free guide Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits. NetSuite.com slash Clavin, because if you want to run a business, you have to know, how do you spell Clavin? So Matt Gates just blasted this woman. Let's play that. This is, uh, it, was, it was great stuff. This is his, the, first, uh, the first cut, six. Do you remember saying the following? Liberals tend to cluster more. Conservatives, especially very conservative people, tend to spread out more. Perhaps because they don't even want to be around themselves. Did you say that? Yes, I did. Do you, do you understand how that reflects contempt on people who are conservative? No, what I was talking about there was the natural tendency, if you put the quote in context, the natural tendency of a compactness requirement to favor a party whose voters are more spread out. Well, and I do professor, not have contempt hold on. I'm, again, for conservatives. I'm very, I'm, I'm very limited on time, with. Professor. And, I, and so I just have to say, when you talk about how liberals want to be around each other and cluster, and conservatives don't want to be around each other, and so they have to spread out, it makes people, you may not see this from, you know, like the ivory towers of your law school, but it makes actual people in this country when feel the like, excuse calls me, men- you don't get to interrupt me on this time. I mean, this is it's an amazing exchange because what he said is absolutely true. These elites, they despise you. They, they despise me. They despise everybody who's not themselves. And meanwhile, but they, what they love, Sharia law. That's what, they, that's what they love. I mean, these guys, really, they do. They sit in rooms and they talk themselves into this garbage and they never go anywhere. They never meet anybody. They never meet anybody who's not themselves. And they never have to test their ideas about everything. I mean, what is, what is a guy named Noah Feldman going to think, think is going to happen to him under Sharia law? What the hell? What the hell, right? You know, Jonathan Turley really, he really rose to the level. Jonathan Turley is a guy who supported Clinton. Uh, he was a, he's a Democrat. He says he didn't vote for Trump. 
but he has ended up on Fox News because when Obama was in office, he said, this is not a constitutional guy, and he's getting a pass because there's a cult of personality around him. Basically, he was saying what I was saying. So he's an honorable man, and he came out and he told them, you know, you shouldn't do this. You're knocking down the law. He quoted that quote I always use from a man from all seasons. If you knock down the laws to get at the devil, what's going to protect you when the devil rounds on you? It, it, was, it was really a moment where you remembered what an American is supposed to sound like anything anything but Nancy Pelosi. That is not what an American sounds like. An American doesn't do the thing that he wants to do because he's so angry. He does the thing that will preserve the systems. And what Turley said is if you do this, it's going to set a precedent that is going to hurt this country forever. And that's true. And it's going to hurt this country because people like you and me are going to say, well, they did it to us. Why can't we do it to them? And we'll be right. And that's the road and that's the road to perdition. And because we cannot have a system under one where one party continually violates the rules, continually violates procedure and then turns to us and says, oh, but you have to play by the rules. You have to be a good American. Doesn't work that way. Once you get into a knife fight, people bring knives. You know, this is this is the whole problem. This is why Trump is president is why Trump is president. We got tired of being called racist. We got tired of being called sexist. We said, here's a guy who's going to call you a couple names. How do you like that? How do you like them apples? I mean, that is exactly the problem. Let me just finish this section by playing one other cut from Gates because it really did sum up the whole thing about these experts, these wonderful elites with their credentials uh, and their Sharia law. Here's Gates. To all of the witnesses, if you have personal knowledge of a single material fact in the Schiff report, please raise your hand. And let the record reflect no personal knowledge of a single fact. And you know what? That continues on the tradition that we saw from Adam Schiff, where Ambassador Taylor could not identify an impeachable offense. Mr. Kent never met with the president. Fiona Hill never heard the president reference anything regarding military aid. Mr. Hale was unaware of any nefarious activity with aid. Colonel Vinman even rejected the new Democrat talking point that bribery was invoked here. Ambassador Volker denied that there was a quid pro quo, and Mr. Morrison said there was nothing wrong on the call. The only direct evidence came from Gordon Sondland, who spoke to the president of the United States, and the president said, I want nothing. (laughs) But he is pointing out that there's no facts, no evidence, nothing, just credentials, just credentials. That's all they have gotten. I'm going to talk about how that relates to the press, the media in just a second. But first, let me remind you to go see No Safe Safe Spaces. It really is a terrific movie with Adam Carolla and Dennis Prager uh, going to various campuses and really exploring the snowflake mentality that is undermining our right to free speech on campus. Remember, these kids are going to be running the place. Uh, I'll be gone, but you guys will still be stuck here with no free speech because these guys do not know how the Constitution works or why it works the way they do. It's a really entertaining exploration. Ben is in it. Uh, it's directed by my pal Justin Folk, who uh, who got me started doing these things. Uh, we we did our uh, the Clavin on the Culture videos together, and he really contributed an enormous amount. So it's really, really well-directed. Variety, the trade, show business trade paper, calls it smart, vital, urgent, provocative, and witty. And that is from a not very conservative uh, source. Uh, no Safe Spaces is rated PG-13. It's in theaters Friday, December 6th. That is this, that's tomorrow. Go to nosafespaces.com slash Clavin for ticket information and theater locations. I didn't know you had to get, you know, at the end of this movie, they actually misspell my name. They thank me in the credits. And they, you, there I, are no that's, that's the mistake they made. I do not know how they made that mistake. So here is Nancy Pelosi. Once again, we're going to go back to Nancy Pelosi. She's coming out to make this uh, announcement that they're drawing up articles of impeachment. Listen to what one of the reporters says to her. 
morning. Good morning. How are you? Did you have a good Thanksgiving? Yes. Yes. <laughs> are we going to have a good Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll just see. We'll just see. What, what does that mean? What does that mean? Are we going to get to impeach this man we hate so, so, so very much? These guys, you know, it used to be, it used to be being a newspaper man. You go back and watch old movies. Being a newspaper man was a working man's job. It was for the intelligent, literate working guy who read in his spare time and didn't really want to, you know, break bricks or, uh, you know, do physical labor. Uh, so he went into the press and he had this instinct to bring down the powerful. You were a Republican, great. He'd bring you down. You were a Democrat, great. He'd bring you down too. He didn't care. He just wanted to get the powerful because he was a, a kind of down-to-earth working class guy. Then they made journalists a class that you took, uh, and so you had it. You had to be credentialed. You got to be a credential. I took journalism at Columbia University, and now. And so now they are the elite. There is no air between Nancy Pelosi and Noah Feldman and the guy covering them. There's no space between them. They're all the same people. Here's a wonderful, wonderful tweet uh, from uh, Christopher Hale, who is an opinion writer at Time magazine and sometimes goes on Fox News as their uh, resident Democrat. He says, I say, I say this with total sincerity. He says this with total sincerity, folks. Nancy Pelosi reminds me of Jesus. She's an enduring witness to truth, to justice, to mercy, and to compassion. The president and his Christian supporters could learn something from her. That's, that's a guy who writes editorials for Time. I mean, these are the loons. These are the loons who are running this country. You know, the, the Trump administration uh, had, had a, forced a rule that will remove people from federal food stamp programs if they can work. It basically enforces the work requirement of the welfare of the food stamp program. And they basically said what the states can exempt people uh, if they're, for instance, in a locality where there are no jobs or they have some other reason to say that they can't work. But what the Trump administration has said is, well, wait, there are now something like uh, seven million jobs uh, on offer in this country and six million people to fill them. So there's open jobs that these people can fill if they don't have kids, if they don't have a disability, if they're in a place that has jobs, they should go get a job instead of getting uh, welfare, instead of getting food stamps, okay? So this was covered in the press. I mean, Chuck Schumer came out and said, it's the holidays, it's Christmas, they're taking their, f-. it doesn't go into effect until next year. So, so that was a lie. And then, you know, of course, on the, in the Times, on TV, it's like 700,000 people are going to lose the food from their mouth. I mean, this is absurd. Why? Why are they defending this? They think, they're, they think this is their virtue. They think this is their charitability. No, this is a vision of government largesse and human dependency. That is the vision that they have because it protects their power. It protects the elites. And so is what they're doing now. This impeachment proceeding for zero, for nothing, for nonsense. They don't even have the facts to bring against this guy. I mean, even if they thought the stupid thing with the Ukraine was an impeachable offense, even if if anybody seriously anywhere believed that, even if they did, they don't have the facts. This is how this was covered uh, by our, our wonderful press. We begin tonight with the historic next step in the impeachment inquiry and a very combative one that played out today on Capitol Hill. The heated proceedings in front of the House Judiciary Committee, the witnesses, constitutional law scholars who were asked, was President Trump's conduct on Ukraine impeachable? Three witnesses telling the committee, yes. 
arguing the president abused his power for his own personal political gain. Pre-constitutional scholars told lawmakers today they believe there is enough evidence to impeach the president for abusing his power and risking national security for his own benefit. And as he was in the air back on Capitol Hill, a trio of legal scholars were telling Democrats exactly what they wanted to hear, that the president has indeed committed impeachable offenses. And that's where we start with NBC's Peter Alexander. Tonight, House Democrats leaning on history to make their case for impeaching President Trump. It's history, it's experts, it's scholars, you know, it's like these guys, they didn't mention Sharia law. So, yeah, so Hogan Gidley is the deputy press secretary. He tweets out this great graphic. I think they should do this every single day. Donald Trump is the first Republican president to understand that the enemy is the press. The press is the enemy. It's the enemy of the founding. It is not. He keeps saying the enemy of the people. It's the enemy of the founding. They do not. This is the New York Times, you know, the New York Times who believes that sex was better for women in the Soviet Union, who believes the United States was founded as a slaveocracy, a complete lie, a complete lie, who runs articles praising Sharia law. This is the New York Times. How do they repeat this? How do, how do they report this? Trump committed impeachable offenses, three scholars tell Judiciary Committee, and they've marked it up. So it says the font size for the anti-Trump headline is bigger and above the GOP perspective. And the, the GOP says... But expert invited by Republicans said cases, quote, slipshod. And he points out that the, the three scholars just appeared out of nowhere. They just descended from heaven. But the one scholar who opposes impeachment was invited by Republicans. And his opinion is in quotes where uh, the uh, Trump committed impeachable offenses is not. And he basically just deconstructs the entire front page. And people were making, you know, liberals were making fun of him online. I think he should do that every single day because it is subtle. It is a thing that they do. And they write, it is the way they write. And I don't even know sometimes I don't even think they know what they're doing, but but they know overall what they're doing. They know that they think it is their job to bring down this president, not their job to report the news to you and let you decide because they don't want you to decide. They think the people, this guy, this, this Sharia guy is from Harvard. Why, what do you, what degree do you have? What degree do you have? Because just because you, you know, you think people shouldn't have their hands cut off when they steal things, but what college did you go to? You know, I mean, this is the way they, they think it's, it is, it's hilarious, but it's, it's kind of tragic comedy, but it is funny. They are so lost in their own sense of worth and virtue and value that they have lost the plot of America. They have lost the story of America, which is the story of you, not them. It's the story of you. That's it. It's the story of us. It's the story of the people. It's not the story of the Harvard Law Professor. It's the story of every guy, and that's who they hate. RockAuto.com will help you find the car part you need. First of all, it is just so much fun to say, RockAuto.com. I mean, now, you know, it can be frustrating when you need a car part, but now, above your frustration, you can say, I know, I'm going to go to RockAuto.com. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers right from your computer. You don't have to go down. Your car isn't even working, so you can't drive down to the auto parts store, and you don't have to because RockAuto.com has everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. And whether it's for a classic car or just the car you drive around in, 
I drive around in a classic because I think it's 50 years old. The rockauto.com catalog is unique, remarkably easy to navigate, and you can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose what you need. It's amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Clavin in there. How did you hear about this? <laughs> I didn't even ask. I didn't. I'm, I'm not even curious. In their how did you hear about us box, so they know we sent you. I don't even have to ask how you know how do you spell Clavin because it's singing in your ear. We got to take. Oh, you know what? Can we stay on? It's Thursday, right? Let's let's stay on. Good. We'll stay on and keep talking. I want to. You know this whole thing about people who have who are nuts. Who the things they say are untrue, how much power they have. It kind of plays into cancel culture. You know, it plays into this whole culture of the mob, of the mob but it's kind of this elite leftist mob. You know, I, I, I'll tell you a funny story. This is absolutely true. I'm talking to a pal of mine out in the Midwest, and so we had a Skype call, and uh, we're, we're talking, and he says to me, uh, and this guy, this guy is a genuine, uh, genuine right-winger, and he's an old friend, a really good friend, and he says, somebody came up to me, and said, oh boy, your friend Andrew Clavin is in trouble. And she was serious. She said, oh, your friend Andrew Clavin is in trouble. And my friend laughed. And he said, do, do you know Andrew Clavin? Because he doesn't care whether he's in trouble or not. You know, he's like not paying attention. What was she talking about? She was talking about people on Twitter, I told you, who don't, didn't like my opinion of Mr. Rogers because I think he was kind of a metrosexual wimp and was not a good role model. I thought his, his values were great, and I think he was great for three- and four-year-olds, but the fact that the press was kind of uh, hagiographizing him as this movie came out I thought was ridiculous. So so people got angry about that, and they were yelling at Twitter. And this woman thinks, oh, he's in trouble. You know, <laughs> It's like, like, like I'm sitting around worrying about people on Twitter and what they say about me, which is hilarious. I mean, I, I know some people do. I'm not one of them. You know, so the, the feminists, the feminists are classic about this. They're, they're a classic example of people who somehow have this power. Like people say, well, feminists are saying this. Well, have feminists ever, ever said anything that is true. They they put out. Let's play this Peloton ad. I will play the play it, and I'll cut it off at some point. It's a Peloton ad. Pretty uh, wife gets a Peloton. You know the bike for for Christmas. Okay, you ready? Yes. Now, a Peloton. Give it up for our first time ride. Right, first ride. I'm a little nervous, but excited. Let's do this. Five days in a row. You surprised? I am. 6 a.m. Yay. Rising with the sun. That was totally worth it. Let's go, Grace in Boston. 50 rides. She just said my name. A year ago, I didn't realize how much this would change me. Thank you. This holiday, give the gift of Peloton. So it's, this cost them. They got people got so angry at this. It actually cost them millions of dollars. Uh, their stock dropped. I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be fine because it's a perfectly nice ad. She's a very pretty girl. The one thing that got everybody, I guess, is that she's in such great shape. She's so beautiful. You can't understand why she has to work out at all. You know. But it's like. But still, I mean, see, I'll just read you one of the. Uh, one of the uh, feminist attacks on us. Look at her face as she continues her exercise journey. What is making her so terrified? Is it society's increasingly unreasonable expectations for women? Her husband's cruel and stony demeanor? The pressure of trying to maintain a marriage, a family, and a banging body? A gaping void in her soul that even increased exposure to physical pain can't totally numb? You know, so... So this costs them money in stocks, right? Because everybody panics and the stock value drops. 
Have feminists ever said a single thing that is true? Have words ever come out of a feminist's mouth? And by the way, when I talk about feminists, I'm not talking about women. This is what a trick feminists always pull. He doesn't like women. He's talking about women. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm talking about feminists. There may be 2% of, of human beings, right? Has they ever said anything that's true? Nope. They, no. <laughs> they, say, they say women are paid less. They're not for the same job. They're not. Women are not paid less for the same job. Women are paid the same thing. They just do different jobs and they take different vacations because they raise families and they are are needed at home and they go home and take care of the kids. And so they have less they have less pay overall, but they're paid the same when they do what men do. And men do riskier jobs as well. They say, oh, a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. Well, crap. You know, we all need each other and men and women need each other to be happy. That is one of the ways that people become happy is by loving each other. Remember the Super Bowl beatings? Super Bowl, you know, that they said, oh, this was way back in the 80s. They said uh, Super Bowl Sunday is the worst day for uh, spouse abuse because men get so keyed up by the Super Bowl, they beat their wives. They literally opened special hotlines for women being beaten up on Super Bowl Sunday. But of course, the nothing ever happened. Nobody ever called the hotlines. Why? Because guys were perfectly happy watching the Super Bowl, uh, you know, if they're watching sometimes with their wives, but if they're watching it alone, I mean, and women know all you got to do is throw a bowl of chips and some beers in there, close the door and you can go off and re read a book and they'll never bother you. It was anything, whatever they say. You know what? Feminists, <laughs> this is, I hope Media Matters is watching. Feminists are like children who see monsters under the bed. We love our children, so when they tell us there are monsters under the bed, we pretend to believe them, right? We go and say, oh, I'll, I'll scare the monster. I'll tell the monster to get away, and now the monster's gone, And you, because they're like children. And the thing, the thing about women, right, men don't totally understand women, but we like them a lot, right? So we don't always know why they're doing what they're doing. We like them, so we figure it must be okay. Like, why are they going to movies with Kate Hudson in them? We don't know, but we kind of like that they do because we like women, right? And, the, you know, why do why do they talk about shoes for hours on it? You know, who knows? But, like, we, we like them. because so, so we humor women, you know? Women say, because we don't understand them, but we like them. Women say, you know, isn't Valentine's Day great? And we're like, yeah, it's, it's great. We love Valentine's, you know, because we like women. So feminists, masquerade as women because they know we'll humor them like the child who's got a monster under the bed and they say, well, gender is a social construct. And we're so used to like, you know, basically agreeing with women because we like them, but we don't understand. We go like, okay, <laughs> but it's nonsense. And sooner or later, your child's got to grow up. Sooner or later, you got to say, you know what, kid? There's no monster under the bed. Go to hell to sleep. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> but it's really true. It's really true. Why do we listen to these people? Why does a guy like that, that guy from Harvard, get up and he says, oh, yes, the pre you know, he's sitting in Congress. The president of the United States needs to be impeached. And no one says to him, how do you feel about Sharia law, son? <laughs> you know? I mean, why doesn't anybody say, aren't you kind of a loon? You know, you go to Harvard, but you're a loon. You're a, you know, and, and this is the whole thing with cancel culture is who are the people canceling you? What gives them the right? What gives them the, you know, I, I put out a, one of those uh, truths straight up from uh, uh, Yaf and they put it online where I said, you know, the, anytime the left doesn't like you, they find a way to cancel you, they make you lose your job. And a couple of people who feel that they've been 
been canceled by the right, said, well, the right does this too. And the right sometimes does do it too. I'm, I, I agree. We can be too, uh, too quick to separate ourselves from people who we feel might justify the left's criticism of us. So the other day, Michelle, you know, Yaff said they didn't want to support Michelle Malkin. And I said, no, that's not cancel culture because Yaff has a point of view that they send us out to, uh, to argue for. And if she's not arguing for that point of view, they have the right not to hire her anymore. Uh, but, but there have been other things that, you know, other places where I, I think even we here at the Daily Wire have fired people too quickly uh, for saying things that we don't like. Instead of just saying, no, we disagree with that. But, you know, here's here is uh, our we we renounce you. We disagree with you. But we're so afraid. Everybody's so afraid of being called a name and being pointed out that we're not in line with the morality of the elites. And the thing is, the morality of the elites is not so moral as the Jeffrey Epstein case uh, pointed out. And that's why I keep going back to that case and back to it because I don't understand why Bill Clinton has suddenly, you know, that Bill Clinton, there's this new report that uh, he was a, a frequent visitor at an island. A uh, new report published on Tuesday alleges that former Democrat President Bill Clinton and two-time failed Democrat presidential candidate Hillary Clinton visited the New Mexico ranch of convicted pedophile uh, and accused sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein nearly every year since Clinton left office at the end of his second term. What was this island for? According to the New York Times, uh, Epstein allegedly wanted to turn his ranch, on the, this, this ranch, they visited a ranch, he wanted to turn this ranch into a place where he would impregnate vast numbers of women in what the t Times described as transhumanism. In other words, it would elevate uh, the, the genetic pool by getting Jeffrey Epstein's uh, genetics, I guess, and maybe his, his friends in. These are our elites. They shouldn't be able to cancel anything. We don't want to hear their opinions about everything. We're not going to let them run the country. They can take their deep state and shove it. It's utterly ridiculous. And I, I truly believe that Nancy Pelosi is and knows she's about to make the biggest mistake of her life. A final reflection. It is Advent. And I really want to talk about this. But I've been thinking about this a lot. Advent, of course, is the expectation of the birth of Christ at Christmas. Uh, and it is a time for Christians to sort of think about what that means, what the virgin birth means, what the Annunciation means, all of these things, this kind of... Uh, supernatural intervention into human history that changed everything. Everything after it uh, is different. People, Some people say, oh, well, you know, uh, Christmas is a pagan holiday. Why should we celebrate that? My feeling is, is no. Christianity changed everything. It infiltrated everything. So pagan holidays became uh, glorified by being, about, uh, by being about Christ. But I've been thinking a lot about the fact that you know, all of our founders said that our Constitution is for a religious people. And we are increasingly not a religious people. And so the question seems to me to come up, does our Constitution still hold? Because we can't say, if the Constitution is truly for a religious people, we can't say, uh, well, I don't believe and I'm not a Christian, but I still want my Constitution because the logic doesn't hold together. And I've been thinking about this a lot, been discussing it with people a lot. Like, what do we mean? What is it we're missing if we lose Christianity? What is it we're missing if we lose religion? And because it's not morality. Right. I mean, there was morality before Jesus. This idea that Jesus came and imposed uh, morality is ridiculous. He came. He said, I'm forgiving you for your sins. So people knew they had sins. Uh, John the Baptist, before Jesus came, was calling on people to repent. So people knew they needed to repent. But there is a new idea of man that came out of Christ, that, uh, a new idea of his nobility, of his eternity, of the fact that our, the logic of morality is eternal logic, right? Because morality doesn't work in the short term. A lot of times morality costs you money. A lot of times it costs you friends. It costs you jobs to do the right thing. So if life is just, uh, if just life just ends and that's it, 
there's no reason to be moral. It really is a whole new vision of human beings and what they owe to each other and how noble they are. And I think it's a question of whether we can, how we can maintain at least that, at least that if people are losing their religion. You know, the other day, uh, Tucker Carlson uh, went off after Paul Singer, who is a, a, a big contributor to right-wing causes. Uh, and just for full disclosure, he contributes to City Journal, where I write. And uh, he basically said, Tucker said that uh, Singer had destroyed, the, had made a profit by buying up this uh, sporting goods company and in doing so had destroyed um, this little town. And that capitalism without moral constraints, the free market that right-wingers have been putting forward basically did not have a care for ordinary Americans. And it allowed things like this to happen where towns would be destroyed and people would get caught in those towns and they couldn't leave. The first people leave, you know, the rich people leave or the people who have enough money to save up leave. And then the other people are caught there in this town. And that's how this kind of cycle of destruction goes on. Nothing, no system, no system works without an overweening morality. No system works without an overweening sense that human beings are worth helping. You can't just say, well, free trade, free trade, if, if people are committing suicide because of your lousy free trade. It's not the way it is going to work. You know, there's, um, I'm running out of time. I'd really like to talk about this more. Maybe I'll talk about it more this week, but I, th I think, um, next week, but I think that the, the point is when we say we have to bring we have to have this God to support this concept of God, this concept of human beings to support the freedoms that we love. How do you get it back? How do, if it's dying, how do you get it back? You can't enforce it because then you haven't got the freedom that you were looking for. So how do you get it back? No system, our constitution, uh, free markets, all the things that right-wingers love, no system can maintain uh maintain freedoms and maintain morality without an overweening, an overwhelming idea, an overarching idea of what a human being is. And that idea, originally, the idea that the founders came had came from Christianity. It came from the classic world filtered through Christianity and changed by Christianity as the pagan holiday of Christmas has been changed by Christianity. Anyway, I'd, I'd love to go on and talk about this more. I will talk about it more because it's what I'm thinking about at the time, but I will have to wait for the Clavenless weekend. You probably will not be surviving that. So those of you, tell your children uh, to, <laughs> to come. You'll be gone. But tell your children to, that survivors gather here Monday. Tomorrow for uh, subscribers is the new Another Kingdom. Monday, everybody will get the next episode of Another Kingdom. And Monday, I will be back. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. Maria, I've just met a girl named Maria. And suddenly that name will never be the same to me. The Andrew Claven Show is produced by Austin Stevens and directed by Mike Joyner. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. And our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Assistant director, Pavel Wydowski. Edited by Adam Saevitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Alvera. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. And our production assistant is Nick Sheehan. The Andrew Claven Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. Mm -hmm.